So when you guys hear the word service in relation to Christianity, in relation to being Christian, what does that make you think of? I, I want to look for ways to like serve you. Let me, let me make myself available. That would probably be. Yeah, I think of like laying aside or laying down your wants and desires or needs um, and like for others and like helping them in that sort of way. Like serving within a, within a church, like helping the church out. That's kind of what I think about. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is like Jesus washing the disciples' feet. It's like always the first thing I think of when I think of service. Cool. So we're actually going to go to that passage here in a second. Um, but like the so Richard Foster in this celebration of discipline book that we are using, um, he calls service the ministry of the towel. And so when he says that, he's referring to Jesus' ministry of washing his disciples' feet and, like, the fact that he, like, dones this towel and then, like, he humbles himself and he serves them in the way that he washes their feet. So I wanted us to um, take a minute and look at that passage. So we're going to go to John 13. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, John 13, and it's going to be verse 4 through 17. And so who would be like, hey, I'm going to read this. What what verses was it? John 13, 4 through 17. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what am I doing? What I'm doing, you don't realize now, but afterwards you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he's, he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you were speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one, one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I've done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master and a mess- messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do know. Cool. Thank you. So in this, we read that like Jesus washes the disciples' feet and then he says that it's an example for his disciples and by extension for his followers that he's, he's made an example for us that as he washed their feet, they're to wash one another's feet. And I think it's an example for us too um, that he would do that. And I think it's really interesting because we, if we think about the disciples Right. If you were to go to Luke 946, we read 
like one of many places that says an argument arose among them as to which one of them was the greatest. And if you guys have read through the gospels anytime recently, there are many arguments over who is the greatest and who's going to have the greatest spot. And, um, and there's a lot of like posturing that we kind of see with the disciples trying to be great. And then Jesus is like in this moment that he's washing the disciples feet, redefining what that greatness looks like and redefining what it looks like to lead. Um, so last week, Natalie talked about submission and like the cross is kind of a picture of submission. And then the towel and the washing feet is a picture of service. Um, and so Jesus, he, he gathers these disciples who have argued and are super concerned over who's the greatest, right? And, um, and he washes their, their feet. And, and I think he's trying to teach them something. He's trying to teach them something they really need to learn. And he's trying to teach something that I think all of us really need to learn. Um, and so to think of it another way, the trouble when we're worried about being greatest, like I want to be great because if I'm great, that means I'm not least, right? A lot of times we know like, we're like, I want to be great and I want to be in a good position. And we maybe know we don't deserve the best position that we're like not the best at this or like the top, but we just don't, we don't want to be the last, right? We don't want to be the least. And I, I think like um, with the disciples, we see that, that they're like, well, I really matter. I really matter. Cause they just don't want to be like the least. They don't want to be, you know, that disciple on the list when we name their names that we forget them. Have y'all ever done that? You name the disciples and like, and they're like, I want to be the important one that's remembered, right? Um, you know, poor James Celeste. And, and like, people are like, who was, um, who was that? But so they're really concerned about who was the greatest. And what's really interesting is like, if you are to picture the disciples and they're sitting around the table at the Last Supper, right? And no one has washed any feet, and culturally, someone should wash the feet. And the disciples being, you know, in Israel, an Israelite culture, they would know what we don't know is that somebody is supposed to wash the feet. And they're all kind of sitting there, if you can kind of picture it, awkwardly knowing somebody should do this, but nobody wants to make themselves less and do it. The scene is like, I don't think when we read it in the Bible, we just pick it up and read it that we like step into the scene as we start to read and realize that there's like this awkward tension in the room, but there would have been awkward tension in the room because they're all sitting around this table. No one's washed the feet. Everybody's kind of like, I don't want to do it. Right. And so this, this awkward um, dirty feet standoff is going on. And none of the disciples are like, Ooh, let me get in on that. Right. Um, because if they did it, that would mean they were the least. So they're sitting there and nobody wants to do the menial task. And then Jesus gets up and he does it, right? And, and when he does that, he redefines what it means to be great and what it means to be least. And so he took this towel of servanthood before them. And then he calls them to do the same thing. Like we just read, right? In uh, verses 14 and 15. There in John, it says, you know, as I've done, I want you to do. 
right? In so some ways, we would rather have Jesus call us to deny ourselves, um, you know, in those verses where it's like, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Sometimes we would rather that than obey Jesus' command to wash one another's feet. And I think sometimes there's something about self-denial that like, even when we deny ourselves, it's kind of an adventure, right? Like we're like, yeah, I'm doing something. And, um, but then in service, when we're serving, the way Foster puts it is he says, we must experience the many little deaths of going beyond ourselves because service banishes us to the mundane, the ordinary, the trivial. So sometimes when we serve, it's like we become least. We do the things that don't matter. We do the things that nobody's going to notice. Nobody's going to applaud, right? But that's who Jesus calls us to be. Um, so why do you guys think, why do you think that sometimes it might be easier um, like sometimes self-denial might be easier in some ways than simple acts of service. What do you think? Maybe because we still understand in some roundabout way it benefits us that, you know, in the, the fasting, uh, we know we're, we're giving it up, not just for the sake of it, but there is a, a spiritual benefit. Um, you know, our, we expect some kind of growth or, uh, you know, we, we give or sacrifice an expectation of reward. Um, even though we want to have the right focus and it's not about the reward, um, those things still can be about us in a way where service, it's not about us. It's about the other person and their needs. And, um, and I like what you said too, about sometimes self-sacrifice is a little bit of an adventure, you know, like I'm doing this cool thing. I'm, you know, I'm going to give up this for, for three weeks and, and that's kind of a, a different, interesting adventure. Whereas it, it's service um, doesn't seem like it's going to be fun. Sometimes it's really enjoyable once you're doing it, but at the outset, it's like, oh, I just got to help this other person. And it's, it's no real benefit to me. Yeah, no, that was well put. I think it is that, you know, like in service, we're like, oh, it's an adventure. Sometimes people, like, they're going to notice. Like, if you radically start denying yourself, you've never done that before. Like, your friends are going to. Like, oh, what's up with that? You know, and then service is just completely menial. And if you do it right, most of the time, nobody notices really. Um, and, and so we don't get any like outward encouragement aside from the fact that the Lord would tell us well done. Right. Um, but on the outside, like other people, if we if we're serving right, a lot of the stuff we do won't even be acknowledged. And I think that's kind of hard for us. Um, so in the chapter, Richard Foster also points out that there's freedom in service um, because it enables us to say no to the world and the way people or the way the world promotes people and the way the world promotes authority. Because um, a lot of times, like so in the business world and, and other things as, as well, there's like a pecking order, right? And you got to like play the game to get in good and to be um, considered important and to climb like the corporate ladder or whatnot. And, um, you know, that's how you get authority. That's how you get leadership. And like Jesus in this moment, when he's washing the disciples feet, he completely redefines what it means to have authority. And he completely redefines what it looks like to be a leader, right? Because he leads by serving. And then 
Um, like he still has authority. He doesn't lose his authority as Lord, but he's comfortable enough in his position of authority that he can do like a menial thing. And we don't see that in the world a lot, right? Like if you see somebody that's important and they're in a position of authority, a lot of times they're not the one doing like the grunt work, right? And like, they're not the one scrubbing toilets. They're not, you know, um, but then sometimes like in the kingdom, we should be like, even if we're in a position of authority, we come to a place because of Jesus and his example that like, I'm not too good, you know? Like, it's like one day God might call me to, to teach or to lead worship and another day. Uh, funny example, because it's like super relevant and uh, staff are going back there. But like other days, the toilet floods at Camp Jackson and somebody got to do that, right? Like, and, and it's like, nobody's, nobody's too good to fix that, right? We, got, we just got to do it. Um, and so Jesus... Uh, he redefines this like idea of the pecking order and he doesn't abolish it altogether. Like he still holds his authority, but um, at the same time, he shows us that like, we don't become like ab- above other people and, and above doing menial tasks. Um, so we got another verse in Matthew 20 verse 25 through 28. Who wants to read it? Thanks, Gian. Okay. It says, um, But Jesus called them together and said, you know, the rulers in this world, Lord, uh, this world, Lord, it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as ransom for many. So this is what Jesus says about authority. And he's pointing out that like, you know, at that time, the, uh, the rulers and authorities, they're, they're placing their authority in the position or the title, right? And Jesus instead, um, his spiritual authority is found in a towel. And so I wanted us to look at just for a few minutes, because I, I felt like this was really this was really helpful. So I put it in a graph. Okay. I just sent it to Slack. So you guys can look at it too, if you want. Um, but in the chapter, Richard Foster talks about the difference between self-righteous service and true service. And so this was several pages. And I just kind of like put it in a succinct graph, but I kind of want to look at these and talk about it for a minute. So the first one says self-righteous service comes through human effort and has to do with calculating and scheming where true service comes from relationship with God. And we serve based on his leading. Um, so sometimes, you know, like if, if we can serve, but it can be like from a selfish place, like we want to look important and we want to look busy or look like we care about things. Right. And we all know looking like we care about things and actually caring about things enough to do something about it are real different, right? Um, and I think that's like, we're in an age where that's really apparent, right? With like social media and things like that. Like, it's like, you can have like the social media activists and they're like, well, this needs to change and this needs to change and this needs to change. And you're like, cool, what did you do? You know, like, what did you do? Did you 
talk about it, right? Which is like the the kind of like human effort, like, you know, or did you like pray about it and just go do something, right? And it's like, we can do both. We can talk about things and do something. But if we only talk and we never actually do anything about it, then we might be in that kind of like, I'm doing it for show and not really for God. Um, So these kind of like helped me define like, am I serving for the right reasons? I guess when I was reading through them. So the second one says self-righteous service is impressed with the big deal. And true service finds it almost impossible to distinguish the small from the large service. Right. So that's talking about like those times that it's like, it's, it's a really big thing and we can go get involved in like a big cause and, and, um, and it's like really cool. Right. Versus sometimes the Holy Spirit's like, just go help that person and don't tell anybody. Right. And if it's coming from the right heart, we're going to be happy to do both. Um, but if it's not coming from the right heart, then we're only going to want to do like the big deal things. Um, the next one says self-righteous service requires external rewards. It needs people to see and appreciate the effort while true service is content with hiddenness. I think that's self-explanatory, right? But like, if we're truly serving as unto the Lord, we won't need somebody to tell us like, Hey, I saw that good job. Right. Um, the next one says self-righteous service is very concerned with results while true service is free of the need to calculate results. So like if our heart is right and the Lord calls us to serve, we'll serve him. Like we don't, we don't necessarily expect anything, right? Like if, if God does something like really cool out of it, praise the Lord. If he doesn't do anything, like we still obeyed God and we still serve somebody and that's enough. Um, then it says self-righteous service picks and chooses whom to serve and is affected by moods and whims. While true service is indiscriminate in its ministry, it ministers faithfully because there is a need, right? So if we're serving and our service is really affected by whether or not we feel in the mood to serve today, then there might be a problem, right? Um, whereas like, like a good heart is like, well, I committed to it, so I'm going to do it, right? And, and it doesn't really matter like, how, how I feel about it. Um, that says self-righteous service is temporary because usually we burn out <laughs> while true service is a lifestyle. So it's, it's a way that we live and it's a way we do things. Um, that says self-righteous service is insensitive and insists on meeting a need even when to do so would be destructive. While true service can withhold service as freely as performant. Um, so that one We'll like pause there for a second. Does that make sense? Like, have any of you guys ever been in the situation where somebody like served you, but it was for them? Like they like really wanted to help you in a way that they thought you need help. Cause I find this, like this happens to me a lot. Like a lot of times people are like, I'm doing this for you. And I'm like, please just ask what I need, you know? Um, but you can tell like they're trying to love you, but they're trying to love you like how they want to love you. So if we're truly serving as somebody's like, Hey, I don't, I don't need you to bring me dinner tonight. And actually that would stress me out. Cause like, I'm not dressed in my house is a mess. 
right? The like, if our heart is right, then we can like accept like somebody saying like, no, that's not actually best too, you know? Um, and then the last one says self-righteous service fractures a community because it's centered on glorification of the individual while true service builds community. So ultimately, if we're serving and our heart is not in a right place, it's going to actually like be destructive to our community. But if we serve out of heart that is, is focused on Christ and lifting him up, then it's going to build community. Um, and so I think that those, those are really important because sometimes like, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I find that like I'm serving for the wrong reasons and my heart isn't right. And I need the Lord to like help me readjust it. And so I kind of made it a little graph so I could like look at it later. Um, so hopefully that's helpful to you, but sometimes it's, it's important, especially if we're serving and we're getting like really cranky. Anybody's ever been there where you're like serving and you get real cranky. Um, so those are the moments that I find I really need to check my heart and like, why am I doing this thing? And am I, you know, even if Jesus was like the one that spoke to me and told me to do it, am I still doing this as unto Jesus? Or have I like come to a place where I'm like in a, in a mood and I'm like, well, nobody's told me thank you. You know, I wasn't doing it for a thank you. Um, but it's real easy when I get tired to slip into that. And so like, it helps me to remind myself to go back and like reposition my heart in the way that I'm serving. But one of the really cool things about serving is so more than any other thing that we do or any other discipline, um, the discipline of service really works humility into our lives. Um, like it really teaches us to be humble and what humbles us. Right. And then it cultivates that humility in our lives. Um, and so said a different way, if you're noticing that you're, you hate serving, right. If you're in a season, you're like, I just hate this. Like, I feel like everything is menial and it's making me crazy. Um, God might be trying to like, sow some humility into your life and like work on that. Um, and a lot of times, like I find the times that serving makes me like really restless and crazy is because God's trying to like teach me humility. Um, so I think several years ago, um, I was really spending some time in, in the presence of the Lord. And I was just really struggling over like, as, as far as like missions work. Um, cause you guys, it's real fun. Like in your, your teens and twenties and like God calls you to missions and you're like, yeah, I'm going to change the world for Jesus. Right. And we're going to go on adventures and like, we're going to get to like meet people from all over the world and tell them about Jesus and do all this exciting stuff right? Self-denial. Um, and it's really exciting. But then we had one baby and then we had two babies and then we had three babies. And then we were just still in America serving college students, doing the exact same thing we did when we graduated from college because we were powerful leaders like a lot of you guys. And it had kind of become like, is this all I'm ever going to do with Jesus? Um, is this all you're ever going to like have for me? And I was really like struggling with that, um, back in Knoxville and just kind of struggling with 
with calling and struggling with like what life should be and struggling with the fact that it didn't feel fun anymore. Um, you know, cause Kyle was awesome. You guys, but like Kyle for for 16 years is Kyle for for 16 years. And at some point I'm like, I've done heard and taught EE 45 million times, you know? And so sometimes you're like, no more EE. Um, and I had hit this place and I was just spending time with the Lord and trying to process it with him and, and the Holy spirit just really asked me, you know, Jackie, who's well done. Do you want to hear, you know, like, do you want to be important in the world? And like, do you want to show up at church and look all together and, and be like that person that's, you know, successful at some random job that in the face of eternity doesn't matter or that mom that's all together or like, do you want to keep doing what I called you to do and know that like I say, well done. And I think, um, you know, it really checked me first because I was like, it didn't feel like an adventure anymore. Right. What started as adventure just became like service. And, and there were a lot of hidden things. There was a lot of things that were like, you know, just had gotten monotonous. Um, but the Lord was like, you know, who's well done. Are you seeking, you know? And, and I think that really helped me and it helped clarify things. And I, like, I ask myself that on a regular basis now. And a lot of times it has to do with serving. And like, when I become restless with serving, it's like, man, am I serving? So somebody will like pat me on the back or be my friend or, or whatever, or I'm I serving because like one day I want to stand before Jesus and hear him say, well done, you know? And it's like, if I can keep that in front of me, that idea that like, you know, someday Lord, I want to stand before you and hear you say, well done, man, like it keeps my heart right and helps me um, to serve. And, and so when we serve in hidden ways, I think we're like just affirming that, God's well done is the one that matters most to us, you know? And um, when we serve in that like hiddenness and like in hidden ways, that's when God really works humility in us and it works in that. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about, and then we'll just have some like discussion. Um, a lot of times also with serving, there's like the fear of becoming a doormat. I'll put it that way. Um, so anytime we talk about service, there's like this natural like hesitation in us that we're like, man, if I start serving and I really lay down my life for people the way that we're talking about, like somebody's going to take advantage of me, right? Like what if they walk all over me or what if they want me to serve them like all the time? Um, have any of you guys like ever struggled with that or felt that? You're like, I mean, I want to serve the Lord, but I don't want to like just be stepped on with people. Cause I think I've, I've struggled with that. Um, so in the chapter, Richard Foster kind of explains in that is the difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. Cause when we choose to serve, we're still in charge, right? Like if I'm looking at my Saturday and there's some event and I can go serve at it, right? Then I'm still in charge of my Saturday. I just decided to give 
give a few days or a few hours, you know, to serving. But then if I look at my Saturday and I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do with this day? Right. It's like, I've completely given the Lord charge and I've, I've let go of my rights for my Saturday. I gave him the day. Right. And that's kind of the difference between choosing to serve in like a box and then like choosing to be a servant. Cause when we're a servant, we lay down our rights and we say, Hey God, I want you to be in charge. I want you to show me how to serve and when to serve. And I think, um, when we do lay down our, our rights like that and our right to be in charge, um, then we can't be really taken advantage of or manipulated. Um, because like we're doing it for God, right. And God is proud of us and it doesn't like the human side of things doesn't really matter. Um, cause we're like, man, I chose to serve the Lord today and this is how he loved me to serve. And so then we don't really even expect anything in return. Um, and we just become available to the Lord to be used however he wants. Um, and I think that's like a lot of this chapter in the spiritual discipline, what he, what he was getting at is that like service isn't just a code of ethics or something that we do, but it's a way of life. Um, and like, it's like a way of life and a discipline that we live. Um, and so we start looking for ways to live as a servant to others. And then we like look for ways to serve that are hidden. And I think like, you know, if you really want to ask yourself, like, am I, am I serving? And like, how am I doing with the spiritual discipline? It's like, do a hidden act of service. And like, see how your heart reacts to that, right? Because a lot of times we like to serve, but it's a lot harder, like when nobody even knows that we did it. Um, And so I think that's where the Lord really like cultivates humility in us. Um, So just kind of like a challenge to you guys is um, I really encourage you guys to like pick a day this week and just spend some time in the morning with the Lord and just say like, Lord Jesus, bring me somebody today that I can serve and just ask the Lord to like, to show you or to give you an idea or just like try and spend that day, like open and available to serve in whatever way the Lord leads. Um, which I think is really different than like looking for a place to serve, you know, cause a lot of times we talk about service and then we're like, Ooh, where can I like volunteer this week or where can I do that? But, and so this is, looking at it a little bit different, but like just taking a day and saying like, Jesus, you show me how to serve today. And um, like, I'm just kind of like excited and curious about the results that we might get from that and what might be different from that.